0: Welcome to Overlooked. My name is Yemi, and I will be your host for the show. Released weekly, I share Overlooked stories from around the world with you. This will include the good, the bad, the weird, and sometimes the absolutely hilarious. Come back often, share with your friends, and feel free to add the podcast to your regular podcast rotation, wherever you get your podcasts. If you come across stories or articles that you think should be featured here, please don't hesitate to share them. Now, it's time for this week's episode. Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode. Hope you folks are having a great week. I'm a child of summer and sunshine, so as we're slowly creeping to the end of the season, I have found myself trying to bask in as much sun and fun as possible. Of course, in a socially distanced and responsible way. How are you folks enjoying the end of the season? Hmm? Alright then, let's start this week's episode with a bit of rubbish and pun is absolutely intended. Thai authorities in the popular Khao Yi National Park near Bangkok will start to send rubbish or garbage back to tourists that leave their garbage behind, according to Thailand's environment minister. If you're wondering how the Thai authorities get these addresses, all visitors to the park have to register at the park with their address. And that's not all. The offenders will also be registered with the police and blacklisted. The Environment Minister, Verawood Silpar Archer, posted pictures of litter collected in a cardboard parcel that were ready to be shipped on his Facebook account. Posted pictures of litter collected in cardboard parcels that were ready to be shipped on his Facebook account. He warned, your trash will be sent back to you. He also added that littering in a national park is an offense and it is now punishable with up to five years in prison, in addition to hefty fines of up to 16,000 US dollars. Khao Yi National Park, which is northeast of the Thai capital of Bangkok, stretches across more than 2,000 square kilometers or 770 square miles and is the oldest national park in Thailand and is known for its impressive waterfalls, animals and scenery. It is considered one of the most beautiful in Thailand, and park officials would like to keep it that way. Russia has called dibs on the planet Venus. Dmitry Rogozin, the chief of Roskomos, Russia's space agency, spoke at the 2020 Heliorussia exhibition and declared that Venus is a Russian planet, according to the Russian news agency, TASS. This comes only days after an announcement on Monday that researchers spotted potential evidence of life high in the clouds of Venus. The scientists found chemical signatures of a molecule called phosphine, which is only produced by living things or in places where there is high heat and pressure. Since Venus is not subjected to high heat or pressure, by process of elimination, life might have just found a way to thrive there. To be clear, the researchers are not claiming that life has been detected on the second planet from the sun, but the observations suggest that at least the possibility of microbial activity in the upper layers of Venus's atmosphere, far away from the planet's inhospitable surface. Russia cannot technically claim ownership of another planet just because it was the first one to land there. Between the years 1967 and 1984, the Soviet Union sent a number of probes to explore Venus While most were not successful, several of these spacecrafts returned important data about the planet. So Russia is a signatory to the Outer Space Treaty of 1967. And according to the treaty, countries cannot own any planet, moon, or rocky body in the solar system and beyond. So there's that. You may remember that in 1969, the United States sent astronauts to the moon and had them place the American flag there as a sign that they were the first ones to arrive. This happened at a time when the US was in the middle of a space race with the USSR. So some might argue that placing the flag there at that time was justified. However, it is not a sign to reclaim the entire moon, it was only a symbolic gesture. So my first question to you is this, if there is life out there, do you think it is appropriate for an earthling to claim the land, or in this case, the planet? Technically, the earthling would be the alien invader. So share your thoughts on social media, all links are in the episode description. According to local reports, Singapore Airlines is looking to launch a flight to nowhere next month. This is part of a plan to boost its finances. Due to current travel restrictions, the flights would take off and land from the same place. In this case, the Singapore Changi Airport. The Straits Times, a local paper has also said that Singapore Airlines also plans to explore a partnership with the Singapore Tourism Board to allow interested passengers partially pay for this flight with tourism credits that will be given out by the government. Each flight is expected to take about 3 hours and Singapore Airlines has not confirmed the flights publicly. But interestingly enough, if the airline goes ahead with these plans, it is not going to be the only carrier in Asia that is going this route. Several airlines worldwide, including EVA Air in Taiwan, have launched these flights to nowhere to try and cope with a drastic fall in demand for air travel. Singapore Airlines is not unique. It has also been affected since passengers are not flying like they used to. In fact, the company has recently announced that it will cut around 4,300 positions. Singapore Airlines is no novice at this. It is familiar with the concept of flights to nowhere. It operated one before. As part of a charity program, in 2015, the airline carried more than 300 beneficiaries of the community chest. These included children with special needs and the disadvantaged elderly. Well, this seems fun. Would you guys take a flight to nowhere? I personally do not enjoy the pre flight or actual flight experience. The part of traveling I like is getting to my destination. Everything else is just a means to an end. Let me know on social media. Tanzania and Uganda have signed an agreement that paves the way for the construction of 1,445 kilometers of crude oil pipeline. The 3.5 billion US dollar project will connect Uganda's oil fields to Tanzania's port of Tanga. The signing ceremony was attended by the presidents of both countries. Oil reserves were found in Uganda in 2006 but production has been delayed, partly due to limited infrastructure, including an export pipeline. After years of discussion, the pipeline's particular route has been confirmed. It will connect oil fields in Uganda's Lake Albert region to the port of Tanga on Tanzania's Indian Ocean coastline near the Kenyan border. Work on the pipeline will begin at the end of the year and is expected to carry nearly 200,000 barrels of oil per day when complete. But there has been an outcry from environmental groups. These groups have warned that the project could come at a huge cost to some Ugandan communities. In a joint report by the International Federation for Human Rights and Oxfam, they estimate that more than 12,000 families might be displaced, with the risk that these families may lose both their land and their livelihood. These organizations do not believe that the compensation given will be enough to satisfy local inhabitants, given the track record of multinational companies versus local communities. They further highlight that the current pipeline plans do not take local customs into consideration. In some Ugandan villages where families have already been resettled, clans have been mixed together and they are now living one on top of the other. Meanwhile, certain crucial components of the common good such as wells and pasture lands that is typically shared with neighbors cannot be moved. Conservationists have also warned that ecosystems are at risk from the drilling in Uganda's nature reserves. All that being said, the project is expected to have economy wide benefits. For example, about 80% of the pipeline will run through Tanzania and according to routers, the project is expected to create more than 18,000 jobs for Tanzanians. Barbados will remove Queen Elizabeth II as its head of state and declare itself a republic by November 2021. The Prime Minister, Mia Motley, said in a written address that it was time to fully leave their colonial past behind. The former colony has been independent from the UK since 1966, but kept a formal link with the monarchy and queen as a non-political leader. Most Caribbean countries have kept formal links with the British monarchy after receiving independence. But Barbados will join Trinidad and Tobago, Dominica and Guyana in cutting ties if it proceeds with this plan. Jamaica has also indicated that it plans to make the same transition as well as the UK. 14 other countries will remain under the rule of Queen Elizabeth II when Barbados becomes a republic in 2021. UN-appointed investigators from the Commission of Inquiry on Burundi have issued fresh warnings about ongoing rights violations and impunity in Burundi since the death of former President Pierre Nkurunziza, who ran for the third term in 2015. The inquiry has found that there have been little in the way of positive changes since President Evaris Ndayishime assumed office in June in a virtual press conference, Commission of Inquiry Chairperson Dudu Dian warned that policy shifts, appointments, and public statements by the new government showed more cause for concern and warning than promise. This was because key positions in the new government included individuals who had been identified as having committed rights violations in previous administrations and who also faced international sanctions. Mr. Dian also added that a majority of the new appointments were from the military, and there continued to be no way to bring these violators to account inside the country. In their fourth and final report before their mandate comes to an end, the investigators also focused on serious violations committed on youngsters under the age of 18, who make up over half of Burundi's population. They found that a lot of these youth were forcibly recruited into the ruling party's youth league and in other cases, they were harmed in place of their family members they also highlighted that amid systemic economic mismanagement no less than 74 percent of the population live in multidimensional poverty during the past four years the Commission of Inquiry on Burundi has been the only independent international mechanism to document monitor and report on human rights violations in Burundi the report will be formally presented to the Human Rights Council on Wednesday, September 23rd, 2020. Ugandan forces are searching for more than 200 naked inmates who escaped in a jailbreak last week Wednesday. Many of the 2019 escapees stripped off their yellow uniforms to avoid being identified as they fled into the wilderness in Moronto, in northeastern Uganda. The military said that they are hardcore criminals who were jailed for offenses related to, wait for it, cattle theft. The inmates also took off with several arms. They broke into the army and stole 15 high-powered rifles. The site has been put under lockdown as the hunt continues. But it is doubtful that they will be able to survive in the mountains for long, especially since they have no food or clothes in an environment that is known to be extremely harsh and hostile. More than 12,000 people are in need of emergency shelter after fires tore through Greece's largest refugee camp. The blaze broke out after midnight in the overcrowded Moria camp, which was originally meant to house just 2,000 people in the island of Lesbos. The island has now been put under a state of emergency for four months for public health reasons, and police reinforcements have been sent to help keep order. There are no reports of injuries, thank goodness, and fire and police services have said that the cause of the blazes remain unclear. Lesbos was Europe's busiest crossing point in 2015 and 2016 for mass movements of refugees, many that are fleeing war in Syria. Police have since launched an operation to rehouse the refugees and migrants who had been sleeping rough after their camp was destroyed in the fire. The new Karatipi camp, near the island's main town of Militin, was made on a former military firing range and is close to the remains of the Moria site. And just like that, this is our very last story for this week. So back in June, news emerged about a new bionic eye created at Hong Kong University of Science and Technology. It was said that the eye could restore sight and might even offer night vision. So more like a superhero kind of eye. Now, a team of researchers and doctors in Australia are preparing for the world's first human clinical trials of a bionic eye in hopes of soon distributing the innovative technology on a global scale. The vision device, called the Generis Bionic Vision System, is the result of a 10-year project and can theoretically restore vision for the blind using brain-implanted microelectrodes. This is just one of the numerous research groups around the world using new tech developments to provide solutions for some of the trickiest human medical conditions. And just like that, this brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you for listening and have yourselves a great week. friends as a reminder the podcast is released weekly subscribe or follow across social media to be notified when a new episode is released overlooked is a tunuka media production which also includes shows like africa in my kitchen with more on the way follow tunuka media on instagram youtube facebook and twitter to connect to say hi or to be on the forefront of upcoming shows and program schedules until next time i'm your host yemi